Our first scripture this morning is known as the Ten Commandments and comes to us from the book of Exodus in the 20th chapter. Then God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses the holy name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, and you shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and mother, so that your days may be long in the land that your Lord is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When all the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of trumpet and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and trembled and stood at a distance and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid for God has come only to test you and to put the fear of him upon you so that you do not sin. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippians, some could say he is responding partly to this law, to these covenants, the, the commandments that are handed down. And he begins by boasting and giving his sort of resume. He's introducing himself and how righteous he is. Let us listen together to this epistle from the Apostle Paul. Even though I too have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, 
but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press onward toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. May God add a blessing to the reading, the hearing, and our understanding of God's holy word. For a moment of levity, I want to share with you what I think, in my humble opinion, is the very best thing on the internet. Miss New York, Taryn Delaney, has an alter ego that has gone viral on TikTok and Instagram. You can all breathe deeply that we'll begin with some levity. She wraps her head in a white towel and she puts on her white bathrobe and she has a filter behind her that shows the clouds and she becomes Denise, heaven's receptionist. She puts a little pink razor in the turban for her headset and she welcomes people into heaven. She answers the phone, she responds to emails, she keeps out the demons, she lets all the animals straight in, they get VIP access, in case you were wondering. And this is one of my favorite pieces. She answers the phone and says, thanks for calling 777 heaven, this is Denise, in case we get disconnected, how can I assist you? Oh, it says here, the reason you didn't get your wings is because you didn't upgrade to the angel package. Would you like me to see if I can upgrade you now? Okay, let's see. The angel package is $78.99 good deeds, and it looks like you are short on your account. About $78.99 good deeds. Oh, we appreciate that you went every Sunday for 20 years. That is so great that you went every Sunday. But you also made 48 Starbucks baristas cry. And that does ding your credit up here. Yep, enjoy the other amenities in heaven. We just can't upgrade you at this time. Friends, do you think in these terms... Do you think you are earning credit toward your angel package, or maybe even, if you follow her, your angel premium package, which has even more benefits? Do you list out these commandments and check off how you are doing on each one? You shall not murder, you shall not steal. Hopefully we get some checks for those, but keep the covenant, keep the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, partial credit, maybe? What do you think your spiritual resume would look like if it were printed out on paper and given a number? Or as the folk song sings, will there be any stars in my crown? Friends, how are you doing with all of this? Now, I think 
it's important that when we con contrast these passages, when we come to the lectionary, we are offered a selection to keep a balance of the scriptures we hear throughout the year. We hear a passage from the Hebrew scriptures, which we sometimes call the Old Testament, and we hear a passage sometimes from an epistle, one of the letters, and we have offered to us also a gospel reading and a psalm. There are four choices. And some people might say, oh, I just like the God of the New Testament so much. If we were to be offered these choices, some might think we should just focus on the gospel. And some would say, I like the God of the New Testament so much better than the God of the Old Testament. He was so angry and wrathful then. And I just need the God who is revealed in Jesus Christ. If you have said this or something like it, it's okay. You don't need to feel badly. But I hope that you will change your mind. If not this morning, then during a process of ongoing engagement with the scriptures. There is truly a balance of love and mercy and wrath and judgment throughout both the Old and New Testaments. There is a continuity of love and mercy from God, creator and God, Christ. And I hope that we will never fall into simplistic readings of the scriptures based on this simplicity. And I want to name especially today the importance of what is considered what is called supersessionist theology. To take a section like what Paul has said, which we have just read, as though everything that has come before and anything else in life is rubbish and could all be thrown out and replaced with Jesus Christ. Friends, God has never and will never reject the covenant that God has made with Israel. And in gratitude, we should approach these scriptures with deep humility and reverence and respect for our Jewish siblings in the faith, with deep appreciation for all that has come before, and not simplify it. I had initially decided not to read the gospel message, and because of the events of this week, I think it's important that we both read it and name the dangers that have come from a simplistic reading of this passage. So what has happened in this parable, which Jesus tells his followers, and it is during Holy Week, he has gone into Jerusalem, and he tells them this parable, which some artwork inspired by this is on the cover of your bulletin. So what has happened is there is a landowner and he has sent two slaves, first one slave and the wicked tenants kill him and he sends another and they kill him and finally he says they will respect my son. You can imagine where the most simplistic reading here is going. I will send them my son and surely they will respect him. But when the tenants saw the son, the gospel goes on, they said to each other, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end. And they replied, he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. 
When the chief priests and Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest them, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. Friends, Christians have done great damage, great harm, by taking scriptures and saying that Jewish people are the wretches coming to a wretched end and that Christians are, as the, this says, a new nation, that Christians will be made as a new nation that will replace the old nation. We do a great disservice both to our Jewish brothers and sisters and also to our own development as people of faith if we compare Old Testament and New Testament law and love, legalism versus grace, a religion which we might say is for the spiritually immature, for people who needed the Ten Commandments, and now for us, we have something better, religion for the more mature. This is all anti-Semitic bias in our reading, and it is theologically lazy and cowardly. So if we are to reject that and move past it, what might we find in these scriptures? What if the law continues to be a great gift, one which has more to teach us every day? As Pastor Sutton preached, we are always needing to set out into deeper waters. What if throughout this gift of the Hebrew scriptures, we can be challenged by them again and again? We can see Judaism itself as a gift, a way to honor our spiritual mothers and fathers in the faith, and Jesus as a brother and companion in living out the law. And people, we could be people who are perpetually in a state of trying to reduce and simplify or always in a process of deepening our commitment, ever perfecting our practice of faith. What that might look like is how do we keep Sabbath as children or teenagers who also might want to play sports, but then how might we keep Sabbath if we work on Sundays? How does one keep Sabbath if one is a new parent? What if you are the spouse who goes off to work while your partner stays home with the kids, but you want to share equally in the home life when you are not at work? And then how might you share Sabbath as a retired person? All of this means that we're continually setting out, as Pastor Sutton said, into deeper and deeper waters. And you might think the waters you have gone out into are very deep. You might slide back into the trap of counting your the points in your angel premium package, being quite pleased with yourself for how many Sundays you have been going to worship in a row and not considering the harm that you might be doing to others in your daily living. And then you might realize the waters you are in have become very shallow and it is time to set out yet again into deeper and deeper waters. How might you honor your parents or your ancestors as a young person? And how might that change as your parents age and grow? And if your parents are no longer with you, how might you honor their legacy? How might you deal honestly and honorably with the legacy of your parents and your ancestors? How might you set out into deeper waters with all of these questions, not being simplistic in how you approach them, but being open to more revelation in how you live your life as a person of faith? How do you take on a practice of not coveting and what that might look like as your life unfolds? How do you engage in a gratitude practice so strong 
that you cannot imagine coveting something that is not yours, for you have found a true happiness in being grateful for everything that you, in fact, already have and not wanting that which is not yours. And what might an ever-deepening practice of gratitude look like for your faith? And this is not linear. I think as we navigate this, the image of this lake, it might have a rocky place that you did not know was creeping up on you. You might find you're over a sandbar when you thought you were in deep water. It is not as though this is a perfect linear progression but it's an ongoing way of being, a way of being a faithful person that is always being willing to confront where you have been and to challenge yourself to go further. As we said in the baptism, whoever does not receive the kingdom like a little child shall not enter it. There is a cyclical nature in reclaiming a youthful awe and wonder and appreciation of everything that life offers. We could be doing the right things. We could be checking off the right boxes, but we could be missing the deeper call on our lives to live as faithful people, people who trust God, people who appreciate the joy and awe and mystery, the wonder and the beauty of all of it. God needs us to live in our daily lives, not as the people who go out and make one another cry, but as the people who are willing to confront how we live in our daily lives and be challenged and changed by the scriptures. Jesus spoke out against Pharisees, not against any particular group of people. Any of us could become a Pharisee in any moment if we use what we have been given to hold each other down. The Pharisees, unfortunately, had become wealthy and powerful, and they had no compassion for the ones around them. They checked all the boxes and they did not live with love. God forbid that we should live our lives so proud that we would look down on anyone and miss the invitation to set out into deep water, to trust that God will be with us through whatever comes, to follow with Jesus as a companion into a life lived in love. May it be so.